0: Tell them tip told you. Com. The podcast about pop culture, black history, and spirituality. Yeah. It's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip, gonna take it away. Tell them tip told you. Hey, y'all. Hey, thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell them tip told you. I've got some things I want to. Uh, I I, want to get them off my chest today. So today is going to be one of them kind of episodes. So I want to talk to you a bit about the final exam I gave my students. It's the end of the semester for a lot of us. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about why I chose to give them that final exam and what I hope they get out of it and what you get out of today's uh, episode. And then I want to give you some tough love and give you some announcements after that. So let's just jump right in, right? First, let me say this. I know it may sound a little different today, and that is because I am in the process of moving, and I have no clue where I put my microphone. Now, who loses a whole-ass microphone? I don't know. I did. I'm really hoping it's in Warner Robins at my parents' house, so we'll see, so that next episode doesn't sound uh, the way this one does. But, you know, we're going to make it do what it do, because One Monkey Don't Stop No Show, and we take what we have, and we make what we want. So we're just going to jump right in on that. So happy end of the semester for all my students and educators. It has been a long time coming. It is officially the time of year where people we have not seen all semester come to us and ask us how we can pass, how they can pass our classes. And let me tell you something, children. Y'all, you know, some of y'all better be glad we need a paycheck because there's one person, I have not seen him but two times this semester and you got the nerd to text me that you put all your work in my box. What am I supposed to do with that baby? My syllabus clearly outlines you are way too late for any foolishness. You know, it's that time of the semester and and I want to say this to educators, uh, some of that is our fault because we let students ride, uh, we give them let them use excuses, we don't hold them accountable. A lot of times they haven't learned that there are consequences to their choices. And so when they choose not to participate, when they choose not to abide by the terms in the syllabus, when they choose not to come to class because they prioritized other things, they need to learn that the consequences are associated with that, right? We are preparing them for more than just a degree. We're preparing them for the real world. And that shit doesn't fly in the real world. Every decision we make has a consequence. And we've got to get our students to understand that we can't leave them where they are, y'all. We're doing a disservice to them. So happy end of the semester. If you drink, drink. If you do other things, do other things. Because I know how it is to get through this time period as a student and as an educator. Just know that we're all suffering. And if you need neither, pray for all of us, okay? Okay. I am reminded that when Audrey Lord um, was going through her cancer battle, And I'm trying to find the lyrics right now, the the lyrics, the poem right now, um, because I think it's so important, um, to read to you. It's in her cancer journals. Um, and it is how I taught this semester. So some of you know, you've been listening to the podcast long enough to know, um, that I am, this is very likely my last semester teaching face-to-face at the university where I'm currently employed and, uh, it's bittersweet in a lot of ways, but it also was a reminder to do the things I believe I was brought, not only to this university but to Earth to do right, to fulfill my purpose. And whenever I think about how I tried to live this semester, I'm, I'm just going to read you what Audrey Lord wrote uh, in the Cancer Journal. She wrote, "I want to live the rest of my life, however long or short, with as much sweetness as I can decently manage." Loving all the people I love and doing as much as I can of the work I still have to do. I am going to write fire until it comes out of my ears, my nose, excuse me, my ears, my eyes, my nose holes, everywhere. Until it's every breath I breathe, I'm going to go out like a fucking meteor. I promise y'all, this semester I try to go out like a fucking meteor. I think I did my best teaching this semester. I think I did my best mentoring this semester. I know I did. Um, I know I had a greater impact this this semester than I have in previous semesters. I also returned to my work in a lot of ways I had ignored. And so it was just a beautiful semester for me. And part of wanting to go out with that fire was requiring all of my students to learn as their final exam they had to either recite or sing the negro national anthem i am so super proud uh that most of them did a wonderful job even the ones that didn't i think they understood why i had them doing what i had them doing i i just um you know, I'm in education. Some of you may not know. I'm in education. I train future teachers and we talk about the power of rote memorization. We talk a lot about how segregated schools in the South, you had to learn to recite poetry like you needed mantras and affirmations and poetry to reaffirm yourself in a, in a society that often does not affirm your values. You had to learn to use literature to support yourselves. And I couldn't think of a better example of, um, yeah, let me just, you hear that? You hear that? That's one of my babies. You hear that? You tell me I didn't get chills and tears. Honey, y'all look, I, I, mm, those babies did far more than I expected them to do with with the lyrics. Um, And I just wanted to brag on them in that. They they did a really, really good job. But more than that, in terms of framing our discussion today, I want us to really think about what the lyrics are. So do me a favor. If you're not driving, if you're driving, you're just going to listen. But if you can, if you're somewhere you can get to a computer or you can pull it up on your cell phone or whatever, pull up the lyrics to the Negro National Anthem. And really look at them. Now, some of y'all only know the first verse and it shows, (laughs) right? We're going to talk about what the lyrics really mean. I think that's important to understanding the song. It's certainly important. Uh, It was important in helping them learn the, the, because if you're just reciting words and they don't mean anything to you, that's one thing. But if you're reciting words that mean something to you, it's a little bit easier and it does something to your spirit. So, Lift Every Voice and Sing, of course, is the product of James Weldon Johnson and his brother, John Johnson, uh, born in Florida, to a Bahamian mother. Now, that's going to become important to us in just a moment. But let's start with the lyrics, y'all. So, Lift Every Voice and Sing to Earth and Heaven Ring, Ring with the Harmonies of Liberty. So, this whole song now, y'all, is about freedom. Let's be clear on that. It's about freedom. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound as loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our na- new day begun, let us march on until victory is won. Now, let's just start with that, y'all. Black folk in this country, you know, some of some of us are celebrating four hundred years. I don't know if celebration is the right word. I don't know if 400 years is the right time, but we certainly acknowledge those ancestors who are the reason we are here on this soil. And when we acknowledge them and we think about freedom, we certainly have to think about what the dark past has taught us. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem. Some of y'all ain't learning the Negro national anthem because you don't know what the dark past taught you. It ain't taught you nothing because you don't know the history. Now, if you're young and you've never been exposed, that's our fault. But if you're grown and you've turned away from black history programming at your church and uh, books on the shelf and movies and documentaries, now it's your fault. But see, you can't really understand what it means to be black and have faith in this country if you know nothing about our history. That's what it means when it says, sing a song full of faith that the dark passes. See, that faith. I have faith. One of my friends asked me the other day why my faith was so strong. And I said, because I know what we've been through. If those people in those fields could accomplish what they did when they got out of them fields, surely I and my AC can write a business plan. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's the kind of faith that the dark past taught us. Now, in terms of a song full of the hope that the present has brought us, you know, being black right now ain't no easy way. I think we're seeing a resurgence in very explicit, hostile racism. Now, I'm not, I, racism never went anywhere, but I think the, how the, the visible nature of it has increased. Um, it's become more obvious and more blatant, and it's difficult to maintain hope in that. But if we are sitting where we're sitting, and we've learned the lessons that the dark past taught us, then surely we have hope that with the resources we have, that our ancestors did not have. Right? They had strength and discipline that I don't know that we can still tap, that, that it's difficult for us to tap into, but we certainly have greater access to resources. And so we should have hope in that because we're made of the same stock that they were. We can do what they did, and we have more resources to do it even better. Especially if we learn to call on them, but that's a whole nother story. So every day we wake up, we're facing the rising sun. Every day is a new day for us to get it right. And in that new day, we got to keep moving. Keep moving. Okay, so let's go on to the next one. Stony the road we trod, bit of the chastening rod, felt in the day that hope unborn had died. Now that's the one I had to make my students stop and really just, so I'm going to reread it. And I want you to really think about what the Johnson brothers are saying here. Stony the road we trod, Bitter the chastening rod. Felt in the day that hope unborn had died. Now, see, you can't divorce. This is why if you only know that first verse, you don't get it all. Now, remember in the first verse, it says that hope is a gift that the present brings us. Do you understand that? That what our ancestors had was faith. What we have is now the gift of hope. And and the Johnsons are clear. It's not an easy road we're walking. It's stony. And we're going to be whooped on it. Bit of the chastening We're going to be whooped on this road. But it's that same kind of... It's not even... Let me say that. It's not even the same kind of whipping our ancestors endured. That unborn hope had died. It hadn't even been born yet and it died because of that chastening rod. But see, because we have the lessons from the past, we have the hope now. And so with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place um, for which our fathers sighed. So it's been a hard road. We've took a lot of bloody beatings, but we're in a position right now that those people in them fields, in those houses, because, you know, y'all got to stop talking about the house Negro like she wasn't working hard. In a lot of of ways, her life was more violent because she was under the constant watch, especially of white women. So, you know, I want y'all to let that go. Matter of fact, here's a, here's a book for you. You know, I like to throw books at you out of the house of bondage. I can't say the author's first name. It, it starts with a T. Her last name is Glymph. G-L-Y-M-P-H. If you are ever confused about the life of a house Negro, I want you to read that book. All right. All right. So I'm off that. But <laughs> can you imagine what they lived through? And now we're sitting, we, first of all, we're sitting on something with a cushion probably, especially if you're listening to this. You got a device, you got social media. Most of us have AC, we got heat. We got a place to lay our heads that we didn't pull off of a tree. You know, we. this is what they wanted and we are here. We might be weary because of how we got here, but we're here. And we can't forget that, We've come over a way that with tears has been watered. Somebody worked hard for us to be here. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Somebody bled for us to be here. Right? I think about John Brown. I think about Nat Turner. I think about Dean Mark Ritchie. I think about Harriet Tubman. These people who put their own bodies on the line for us, who shed blood for us. We're walking through the path that they made for us. So that out of the gloomy past, we stand at last where the white gleam of our star is cast. Now, you know, the star, the North Star, that's how we get to freedom. Remember, the whole, the whole thing is about freedom. The whole thing is about freedom. Now, this third one is the one that always gives me chills. And it's the one that I want to use as a framework today. God of our weary years. God of our silent tears. Thou who has brought us thus far on the way. Thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Keep us forever in the path we pray. Now we're going to come back to that. Remember the path has been watered by tears. It's covered with the blood of the slaughtered. But we don't want to walk away from it. You hear the message that the Johnson brothers were sending us. We don't want to walk away from that path. Keep us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. That's the line I want to key in on. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. All right. Listen, y'all. That last one, like I said, it always moves me. It moves me. And I don't think you necessarily have to be Christian to be moved by that. Y'all know I'm Christian, plus, I'm moved by the idea of it, not necessarily the religious aspect of it. This idea that the same creator that saw us through that dark and gloomy past is the same creator that is shadowing us beneath its hand right now it's watching right the creator is watching every move we make but see in this in this stanza there's choice there is choice embedded here even though god has been our the god of our weary years and our silent tears you brought us thus far on the way by your might you led us into the light But see, there's choice here because the the prayer is that you keep us forever in the path, which means that humans have choice. Black folk have choice to leave the path. What I'm sad about today is there's a lot of black folk, far too many black folk, leaving the path. They've left the path. And they're no longer true to that God. That got us through the gloomy past, and they're definitely definitely not true to their native land. Let me just talk about Carlotta Outley Brown, principal of James Madison High School out in Houston, Texas. Y'all, this woman, I I want you to Google her because I want you to see how she dresses. Right? I you know. I'm not one to necessarily judge people based on their fashion choices. But since she want to talk about clothes, I'm going to need her to have a stylist. OK, I also need her to have a writing coach and, and uh, a voice and diction uh, coach. But that's a whole nother story. I, I, let me not be petty. Let me just get into it. So this principal has established a dress code for parents. You know, I haven't done this yet, but what I'm gonna do after this podcast is over, I need to do some research on where she, where she was trained. I'm willing to bet she went to a PWI. Well, I don't. You know what? I don't. I can't say that. I can't say that because you know Hampton didn't let you have locks. Do they? Do they let you have locks now at Hampton in the business school? You know, sometimes black folk be their own worst enemy. It, it, let me. I'm I'm rambling. Let me get back. So this principal of James Madison High School has established his dress code that. Despite her uh, and her supporters assertion that it is not race-based, it outlaws things like bonnets. I ain't never seen no white woman in a bonnet, okay? So that lets me know right now you ain't talking about white folks. Here's what you need to know before you jump in with an opinion about this school. Educators know that we need parental involvement. That's no secret. If you have a degree and or certification in education, you have been taught, because that's one of the often touted statistics, the impact of parental involvement on students' academic achievement. We need families to be involved in the schooling process for their students. If she's a principal, she knows that. So therefore, you should be able to logic to the next step that we don't want to do anything that might create a barrier to those parents' involvement. It's counterintuitive. You don't want to block it. You don't want to do anything that might make the school seem to be a hostile place for parents. Because remember, our intention is to get them involved. And they're not going to be involved in a place they don't want to go to. You've made this adversarial policy. Without parental involvement. Because the, the parents are talking about they showed up and got turned away. Let, let, me, let me just go back to teacher training. One of the things that I am disgusted by. Is that black folk. Used to be very pragmatic. We only did things that worked. And if it didn't work, we moved on to the next thing. Now, for some reason, this respectability politics about how we dress—it hasn't shown to be useful, and we have not gone on to the next thing. I don't understand how that works. Ask Martin Luther King Jr. how he was dressed when he was shot at the Lorraine Hotel. Ask Malcolm X how he was dressed at the Audubon Ballroom. Ask John Lewis how he was dressed on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Do you understand what I'm saying? That how you dress will not save you. And therefore, how you dress should not condemn you either. Now, it's important to note the kind of demographic that the school is serving. It's a low income area. And so we don't know if parents have worked the third shift are in between shifts trying to get whatever rest they can get and then run into the school to handle business and what they have access to and you turning them away. See, that doesn't make sense. And and I'm, I'm, I'm as disgusted with people who have been on my social media timeline supporting this foolishness because I'm going to ask you the practical question. What difference does it make? What difference does it make how whether or not the mama got on a bonnet? We're also gonna talk about his anti-mama because there's nothing in there that says anything about men's attire. You understand what I'm saying? Massage noir is not only practiced by men, it's also practiced by black women. See, this principle, this this Carlotta Outley Brown, this sister here, I hesitate, hesitate to use that word. This sister here, I need her to go back and read that third stanza, y'all. That's what I mean. Some of y'all only learned the first one, and it shows. So you done got drunk with the wine of the world. So you've bought into this idea of black pathology. And because you've bought in wholesale to the idea of black pathology, you think a woman with roller's in her hair and slippers on her feet somehow is not worth respect. You have a problem. I need for you. So I'm giving her the the homework. She got to also memorize, lift every voice and sing and perform an analysis of that third stanza for me because she surely is drunk with the wine of the world. The world has convinced her that what we wear matters. But history bears out. It don't matter what you got on your black body if your body is black. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, let me go to the next one. This hashtag Eidos, American Descendants of Slaves bullshit. They also need to go ahead and write all three stanzas and analyze that third verse for me. And while they're doing that, I need them to remember That James Weldon Johnson, who penned the Negro National Anthem, was born to a Bahamian mother in Florida. See, this this desire to parse apart black people, that's not black. That that has nothing to do with our ethos. It has absolutely nothing to do with our traditional ways of living. And then I had, I, I was on Twitter the other day, I deleted it before I could even get back to it. I wish I had saved it so I could tell you the person's name. But one of these people was said something about, is xenophobia really a bad thing? Do you know what that word means? You are, you know, these, these 8 people, you know what they are? They are devoid of historical understanding. Dark past ain't taught them shit because they don't know the dark past. And they damn sure not on the road that the rest of us is trying to be on. Because their feet have strayed from the places, our God, where we met thee. And they've forgotten who we are. They've forgotten who we are. I I just, y'all, mm-hmm. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. When I am having a rough time at anything, I turn to the history. I turn to the history because of what this song suggests. And that is, when I know what we have been through, I am more clear on my responsibilities for the future. To the future. That's why I couldn't leave ASU without, without that conversation with my students about what it means to be drunk with the wine of the world, to be distracted from the path because somebody got a six-figure job waiting for you if you perm your hair. Now, I'm not saying perm your hair is a complete salad I'm just using that as an example because sisters should be able to do what the hell they want to do with their own body, Okay but what I mean is forgetting who you are because you are distracted by the spoils of Western capitalism. We are responsible to each other. May we forever stand true to our native land, true to each other. The sister in Houston ain't true to her sisters don't ain't true to his family in the diaspora. It's not true. Listen, y'all, we have to revisit and reground ourselves. We can't keep floating through life like this. Some of us need, you know, to detox and get this wine out of our system. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let me take it from the abstract and put it into uh, the microcosm for you. I'm, I'm, I'm Because I'm moving, I'm thinking about new beginnings. I'm thinking a lot about what it means to be in a comfort zone. Here's what I know. We call it a comfort zone, but a lot of us ain't comfortable in it. We talk to our friends about wanting to improve, and then we say, but I'm in my comfort zone. I want to grow, but I'm in my comfort zone. I want to start this new business, but I'm in my comfort zone. The reality is, if you're saying shit like that, you're not comfortable. You're afraid. That's two different things. And I had to realize that for myself. This this, this place that I'm living in right now, it's not comfortable to me. It's familiar. And because it's familiar, it feels safer. And I'm afraid of what I don't know. That has shit to do with comfort. So we got to redirect our thinking a little bit and move towards a better understanding of what it means to be brave. Every day, I challenge you to do something to move yourself closer to your dream. Every day. That's the new shit I'm on. That's the new shit I'm on. Because see, one of the mistakes I had made in my many life resets, I think life is is continually, uh, life is a continuous battle to be better. It should be. And so there are a lot of us who start over a lot of times because we are chasing excellence, right? And uh, one of the things that we tend to do is to have these big goals, big, beautiful goals. I'm not saying anything is wrong with the goal, but it's so big and beautiful. We forget that it's bit by bit. We eat the head of the rat. It's bit by bit. We eat the elephant. You understand what I'm saying? We're so busy telling other people we want to lose a hundred pounds. hundred pounds. When you say it, it begins to intimidate you. And it strikes fear in your heart because it seems undoable. It seems difficult. But if you just say, tomorrow, I'm only going to drink water. You see how much easier that sounds? Every day, do something that's going to take you closer to your dream. Every day. One small thing. I started getting up at 5.50 in the morning. You might ask yourself, why not 6 o'clock? Because my goal is to start getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So at least I'm in the 5 something. (laughs) So 5.50. I've done it every day this week. In fact, my body wakes up around 4.45, which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it came from the desire just to make one small change. One small change. And I can't tell you how much more time I have in my day to do the things I need to do. I'm a lot more productive. I finished some shit this week. That has been sitting on my desk for four months. And that was just three days of me getting up at 550. One small change had a beautiful consequence for my life. And so I'm coming to you today to, to, to remind you that it only has to be one small thing. Please do one small thing. So here's my commercial. One of your small things should be to tune in to the free Instagram series I'm doing this week. Uh, this is a uh, week of May 1st, today is May 1st, so if you're listening later, you have probably missed it, but if you are listening today, May 1st, then we are on day three of how to live a more sacred life. You can find us live on Instagram every night at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time at at Tiffany DPHD. Tiffany D PhD. That's my Instagram tag. You can find us there. We're doing that free live series. And then I've got some other things going on. If you're a parent, make sure you check out the free webinar I'm doing on May 9th. That will actually be about... I just said that date out loud and realized I'll be traveling. But I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it because I made a a vow to myself. Um, I'm doing a free webinar on summer learning loss and how parents can work to minimize that for their students. So you're going to see a lot more stuff coming from me that is closer to my dreams and my purpose, uh, because I'm doing that one small thing a day, one small thing a day. So I'm gonna challenge you when you hit stop. Well, don't hit stop on the podcast. Go on and listen to the episodes you hadn't heard yet. Uh, but when you, when you finish with the podcast for today, I'm going to challenge you to do one small thing to take you closer to your dreams. If you're interested in, be, <coughs> excuse me, if you're interested in being a guest and on Tell em Tip Told You, make sure you visit our website at www.tellumtiptoldyou.com and click the button that says Be Our Guest. I appreciate you tuning in today. I really want to hear your feedback on my analysis of Lift Every Voice and saying, Is it spot on? Am I way off? Send me that email at Dr. Tip at I wish you a beautiful, beautiful rest of the day. Tell them to tell them, y'all. Bye.